having excellence in the small tasks, in the small things that you've been entrusted with in your smaller possessions, you might not think it's a big deal, you know, it, to have a, a mini makeup palette. But if you trash it, you drop it, it's broken. Why should you have a big one? You can't even prove that you can take care of a small one. And, and you can take this into any area of your life. I'm Christy Code Red, and you're listening to Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle, where we believe food holds the power to heal or poison, and we believe our society has been misled regarding proper nutrition and weight loss. You're in the right place if you're looking for some straight up truth, because I'm here to shed light on the lies and brainwashing that has taken place over the past five decades. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle. I'm your host, Christy Code Red, author, entrepreneur, retired professional boxer. You might notice a whole different background. Yes, I've been telling you guys that my new home office at my Tamarack cabin has been underway. The redecoration, the re, I don't want to say remodel. To me, remodel sounds more like you are like busting down walls and reinstalling cabinets. So I wouldn't call it a remodel. I would just call it like a, a complete restructuring of the room. Sold everything out of the spare bedroom, the second spare bedroom. I have, this is a um, three bed, three bath house. And here at Tamarack, we just noticed that the second spare bedroom that had two twin beds, ain't nobody really sleeping them. We just don't have a lot of company. We're not really company people. Miles and me, we're very, very quiet, reserved, private people <laughs> other than my mom coming over or my dad coming over to hunt or, you know, like it just, we just don't get a lot of company and we were not using the spare bed, the second spare bedroom with the two twin beds. So I sold everything out of here completely bare. We painted, we wallpapered. You can see the wallpaper behind me. I got a new furniture, new decorations, new everything, new iMac, new microphone, new everything. And now I can stay here at the Tamarack cabin for longer and continue to work because I was having to go back to Boise whenever I had a podcast interview, uh, whenever I, because I just didn't have the equipment or the bandwidth on the internet to be able to um, handle showing up for an interview on a podcast. I'm just not going to take the chance of it being, you know, what if it, goes in and out. What if it, you know, so I, I didn't want to uh, take that chance. So we boosted the internet. We got a new router, new modem, new everything. So we are good to go. I can now stay up at the Tamarack cabin for longer. I love to run the trails. I love to walk through the village. I love Tamarack. And it's just, um, being in the woods is my, uh, it's my jam. I love that. And with um, a whole 2020, you know, with, with COVID, everything was, my travel was just drastically reduced. So thanks for joining me. I sure appreciate all of your ratings and reviews. I appreciate you listening and sharing this. You know, if there is something I have, what, like, this is like podcast number 890 or something at this point. I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't know. I'm going to submit it and the podcasting agency, they're going to put it in the queue. So I don't know what number this is, but I have talked about everything. So if you are trying to talk to your loved one or someone you care about or a coworker or your, your brother's wife or your mailman, the best thing to do is just to send my podcast to them. 
although I don't know anybody who's got their mailman's number, but send my podcast to them. That takes you out of the equation. Let me be the bad guy. I'll explain things to them. Psoriatic arthritis, that's a great example. You know, the meeting the men of Code Red. If you've got a man that doesn't understand why, you know, like I don't need Code Red. Yeah, you do. Here are four guys that, you know, there are lots of examples where we explain sleeping. We explain diabetes. We explain so many different things. Immune system. We talk about, we don't just talk about health. We talk about, you know, things like what I'm going to talk about today. It's all kinds of different subjects. So just send them my podcast and that would be great. I would love for you to share it. That way we spread this message. This is a, what we call a grassroots movement because our country is 88% metabolically sick. 88% of all our, our Americans are metabolically sick. So our government is not out to help us. I don't know if you noticed that or not because the government put the dietary guidelines in place 70 years ago and we have become the sickest and the fattest in human history. So we know that doesn't work. We know that these things are driven by industry and money because healthy people makes a lot of sense, but they don't make a lot of dollars. There's no money in healthy people. Our economy would probably collapse if everybody got healthy. No, I don't think that, but surely big pharma would, uh, you know, so we're going to have to do it ourselves. You're going to have to do your own research. You're going to have to make sure that you are being an advocate for yourself. Don't forget you are partners with your doctor. You don't have to do what your doctor says. You're partners with your doctor. So if you come to your doctor and you say, I want to try something new. It's a real, it's the proper human diet. It's real food, water, and sleep. It's called code red. Here's the food list. And your doctor is not like, I just, I can't imagine a doctor that would want you to, to be on, you know, cake pops and, and pop tarts and lean cuisines as opposed to food that we were created to eat. I can't believe that. But some doctors do. They push back against this. Like, I don't know. But the best thing is to be your own advocate, do your own research, share this podcast, fight for yourself, fight for your life, lean into what you know. Ultimately, if you feel better, that's all that matters. Like, you know, well, that's going to kill you all that steak. Really? Show me the data on that. And by the way, I feel better than I have in 35 years. So how is that going to kill me? Plus, if I even if it's going to kill me, I'd rather feel this way and have a really great life and feel fantastic in the few years before it kills me. Ugh, Lord. So we're talking about on this podcast being faithful in the little. And in the Bible, in the, the book of Luke, it says, uh, he who is faithful in the little will also be faithful in much. And the reason I thought about this is because recently I had a friend die, a long, long time family friend named Kathy Deo, D-E-Y-O. And she has always lived in the town where I grew up, Orfino, Idaho. And I've known her since, well, I mean, we moved in to our house in Grangemont. I mean, I was, I don't know, seven. And I've known her all my life. I just, I don't ever remember not knowing her. And let me back up a second and tell you that my earliest memory ever of my life is wanting a horse. And I realized that every little girl wants a horse. Like quote, every little girl wants a horse. And every little little girl probably goes to that phase where they want a horse. They want a pony. You don't want a pony, by the way. You don't want a pony. They are mean, vicious little animals. I don't like ponies. But people think because they're small that they're safer. No, they're horrible. We had two ponies growing up and uh, Blackjack and... Smokey, Smokey and Blackjack, I remember. And they were horrible. They tried to 
roll on top of us. They try to rub us, rub us off on fence posts. They would stop dead and they would buck you. I mean, they, they were horrible. They always tried to hurt us. Um, so maybe your pony didn't do this, but our actual pony, like PO, like, uh, POA pony or a Shetland pony or something like that. I don't recommend you get one, but my earliest memory is wanting a horse. And I remember asking my dad about wanting a horse. I mean, I wanted a horse as long as I can remember. And it was such a deep, deep, I mean, it was, it, it feels like it's all always been in me to want one. Uh, so I finally was able to have a horse when we moved to Idaho. When we moved to Idaho, we had 75 acres and we were able to grow our own hay and farm the land and graze the animals. We had, of course, horses and cows and pigs and chickens and dogs and cats. We had a, a regular farm. That's how I raised 4-H animals to be able to sell and earn money. I babysat the neighbor's kids to earn money. I bought my first horse at 10 years old from our neighbor, from my neighbor, Grace. And Grace sold me Ben, a full-blood Arabian horse, for $500. And I made $50 monthly payments for five months. So I have always loved horses. I trained horses for 13 years. I trained horses through the 80s and early 90s. And then I, I think the last time I really trained horses was at a, a riding school in Rhode Island where I worked. And anyway, that's kind of where my career kind of ended. <laughs> I always saw myself as having a horse ranch. I just thought that's always what I was going to do. So I have loved, 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 loved horses with every ounce of my being for as long as I can remember. Uh, a lot of you guys are wondering, well, Christy, would you ever have a horse again? Absolutely not. No, 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 no. Owning a horse and loving horses, that's two different things. Those of you guys who own horses, you know they're a ton of work, a ton of money, and no, absolutely not. But every chance I get, I try to ride. And um, it's just not as it's not a skill that you want to let go rusty, <laughs> because it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when you will you will get hurt on a horse. And you want to make sure that you know what you're doing <laughs> before you go just go off riding someone's horse, you know, anyway, Kathy Deo that just passed away was 20 years older than me, about 64. And she had Tennessee walkers. Kathy, I mean, she was great. She was a big part of my life because she was into the 4-H kids and she helped and she did horse shows. And so one summer, she and her husband owned a chunk of property across the street from my house. And that was about 30 minutes from her house. And she, she grazed her horses for one summer on this pasture, these three Tennessee walking horses, big, huge, beautiful horses. And she asked me, I think I was... I don't know, maybe I was eight or something. She asked me if I would keep an eye on him. And she must have known how much I loved him. I mean, she must have known how much that she could have seen the way that I, I, you know, I, I looked at him and I was so gentle and so good. And, and so she asked me if I would keep an eye on him. And she, and so she had her horse trailer parked there at where their pasture was. She had a, um, a shed and she backed her big horse trailer in and it had a walk-in tack compartment. And for those of you who don't know, tack is equipment and different training pieces that you use on horses like the saddle and the bridle and the halter and, and different things. Tack is very expensive. For my horse people are all nodding right now. You know, tack is so expensive. Anything to do with horses is just expensive to do it right anyway. Uh, so 
that whole summer, she said I could, I went across the street every day and I checked on the horses. You know, they were fine. I don't even think she probably needed me to do anything, but I went over there and she let me go into her walk-in tack apartment in her trailer and get out grain to feed to the horses. And I probably overfed them. Who knows? I don't know. I just, I was having the time of my life. And while I was in there, I noticed that she was storing a lot of tack in her walk-in tack compartment. Very, very expensive dressage saddles, dressage bridles, all kinds of Western saddles, English saddles, just all kinds of, she just said the whole tack compartment was full of this very expensive, very nice tack. Each horse had its own tack that fit that horse and it was very specific to that horse. And so I would go in there and I mean, that, that was the coolest thing to me ever. I'm probably taking too long telling the story. Sorry, everybody, <laughs> but this is a lot of memories. So one summer I brought over saddle soap and a cloth and I cleaned all of her tack. I mean, I just wanted to be there around it. You know, you don't understand how much I, I didn't want anything else except to be around my horse 24 seven. I would sit, I remember being in seventh grade down at the Orfino junior high and staring out the window and like wishing hard that I could just be with my horse. I dreamt about being with my horse. I hated school. I got made fun of at school. I had big booms and pimples all over my face and I got made fun of and I only I didn't want to go to school I wanted to be with my horses day and night constantly I would sleep I would try to sleep in their stall and my mom and dad would come get me and make me come in because we had brutally cold winters and I didn't care I wanted to be with my horse 24 7 so I would just hang out with these Tennessee walking horses all day long and I cleaned all of her tack well Okay, here we're getting to the first, we're getting to the um getting to the part here. People are probably this is probably gonna <laughs> make my podcast ratings go down. I don't care. It's a good story. So when she finally came back at the end of the summer, she noticed that I had cleaned and reorganized her entire tack compartment. I'm a very organized, I was a very organized and clean child. I all my stuff was color coordinated, organized, clean. I made my bed every morning. My mom just instilled that in me early on. So Kathy noticed that I did that and I don't know how she knew, but she gave me a piece of tack that I had been saving my money for. And it was called a Pelham riding bit, Pelham riding bit. And uh, again, my horse people will know what that is. It doesn't matter, but it's, it's expensive. I mean, piece of a uh, bit that I, I needed that bit because I was breaking into English writing and English showing and I needed that bit, but I just couldn't afford it. I mean, I don't know how much it was back in the eighties, but I mean, you look it up now, some of them are like 250 bucks. They're so expensive for a bit. I mean, something that goes inside the horse's mouth. It's just ridiculous. And you, oh my Lord, I lost my mind. And she said to me, I'm giving this to you because you have proven to me, you have shown me how well you will take care of it. And that was huge for me because she didn't ask me to clean her tack. She didn't ask me to sweep out the tack compartment or sweep out the main horse trailer. She didn't ask me to brush her horses. She didn't ask me. She didn't ask me to do any of that. I just did it because that is kind of kid that my parents raised me to be a person of excellence. I wanted to just do it. I wanted to do it right. I wanted, it was something I loved. I mean, being with horses, being around horses, anything to do with horses. I, for some reason, even at that early age, I really wanted to be good at it. And I wanted everything that I touched to at least look good. And I, they weren't my horses and it wasn't my tack, but 
it was in my care for the summer. So I wanted to clean it and organize it. You know, I, I took everything out. I, I cleaned everything. I swept it all out. I cleaned, I, you know, mopped the inside of the horse trailer and everything was clean, put all the tack back. All the tack was sparkling. It was beautiful saddle soap with Murphy's oil soap. I mean, I used my own money and bought my own Murphy's oil soap and I, I organized all of it. And so she came back and of course was completely blown away. She didn't ask me to do it. Her horses were well taken care of. Everything was fine. The horse trailer was spotless. Everything was perfect. And she said, I'm giving this to you because I know you will take good care of it. And that left a lot, that left a quite an impression on me. I was already like this as a kid, but that really instilled, that reinforced that part of me. Wow. This is why, guys, oh, any of you guys who think that your children aren't listening, <laughs> I promise you they're listening. I promise you they're listening. Sometimes they don't act like it. And sometimes when you call them to dinner or you tell them to put their phone down, they don't listen. It's just, it, you want to just beat them. But this is why if I ever meet your child, I'm really going to make sure that I pour into them because you don't know. And I, now Kathy's gone. I don't know if I ever had a chance to tell her how much that meant to me. And she's gone now. She's gone at 64 years old. So it really left an impression. So my first car, you know, I kept it cleaned out. I kept it washed. I didn't scratch it. I made sure that I, I did my best. My clothes were all hand-me-downs. Our clothes were all hand-me-downs from our rich cousins in Twin Falls. And we were happy to have them. Let me tell you, we kept them nice, ironed, mended we kept them clean. I mean, we had pride in our stuff. We were faithful in the little. We took care of our small things that we had. We didn't have much growing up. And I, I, this could be you. You could be the person that I'm, I'm describing right now. When you don't have much and then you get something, oh my gosh. I mean, that's the coolest thing you've ever seen. I mean, you just take really great care of it. You don't just go throw it. That's why I'm just not a fan of... I'm going to get a lot of controversial response from this, but I'm not a fan of parents paying for their kids college. I don't think a child and not every child, but I don't think a child appreciates it if they don't have to pay for anything like anything. I'm talking about anything. I mean, I've seen plenty of kids that just, I'm going to say it piss away. I'm sorry. It's the best word for that. Their college because they didn't have to fork out the 40 grand for it. I think it's ridiculous. I really do. I don't think a, a parent should pay for a child's college. If that child wants to go to college or cosmetology school or plumbing school or the military or whatever route they want to take, they can pay their own way. I think that you can incentivize them. You can match. You can, and every child's different and every situation is different. I get that. I mean, my first marriage, Jason Nickel, Barbie and Paul paid for everything for him. But he was a really good kid. You know, he, he, was, he was a good, well-respected. He got good grades. He, did, he hung out with good kids. I mean, he was just all, he was a really, really, really exceptional child. Very, very kind. Um, so it didn't spoil him to death. But let me tell you, I mean, we all, we've all seen it. We've all seen parents who spoil their kids and they are snotty little brats. And it bothers me. I have three nieces and a nephew. Three of them are in their 20s and one of them is 10. And when the kids, you know, and I'm not going to say which kid, but it's sometimes when you give, when I give the kids things, you know, they would just trash it. And you would be like, why am I giving you something? I know you're going to trash it. Why am I giving this to you? I mean, I know I try to think of things for my 10 year old niece 
to, I try to think of things to buy her for birthday and Christmas that I know is going to be good for her. Like jujitsu lessons. That's my, that, in fact, let me write that down. I got to <laughs> hold on a second. Um, buy Anne-Marie jujitsu lessons. That's a good idea. But that, doesn't that make sense? I mean, I don't want to buy her just another toy or just another thing that she's just going to trash. And I don't think she's like that, but kind of, and there's to a degree, every kid is like that. They just don't appreciate it when they don't have to earn it themselves. Are you faithful in the little? Have you been given a little? Because once you prove yourself with that little amount, then you can handle a lot more. And I believe that that's why I've been given, although I don't haven't been given anything, but I have grown code red to the level that it is. And we have 61 team members that help us run code red and deliver our program. And we've got thousands of people that come through the program every month. And I, I don't think that I would have been able to truly handle that if I hadn't been faithful in the smaller amount of clients, you know, in the smaller structure, the smaller company. And, and this is, this is just something that I feel very strongly about. I don't think we should overlook teaching our kids or ourselves to make our bed in the morning. That is such a small thing that we can all do. It's keeping our bedroom picked up, keeping our clothes hung on the, in the hanger instead of just dropping them on the ground and walking on them. I mean, uh, trashing, we just, we trash our makeup palettes and we trash our hair products and we, you know, my hair is expensive to keep up with. You know, I go in there, it's 165 bucks to have it colored. And so what I do is I only wash it once a week in ice cold water to preserve the color. It does, it has nothing to do with the money, but I, I respect my hair colorist enough and I respect myself and I respect my hair. I want to, I want to take care of it. And it sounds like such a silly answer when you think about it, but it means so much, the small stuff. Are you being faithful in the little? Are you able to handle? Because are you able to handle the small amount that you do have? Because so many people are wanting more. Like they're always like asking God for more. Oh, give me more, give me more, give me more. But you can't even be nice to the janitor. You're asking God to bless you with some big blessing. And that's fine. I mean, ask away. That's totally fine. But, you know, you're being snotty to the waitress. You, you know, th these little things are like, ooh, man, if you can't handle that little amount, if you can't be nice to just one person, how can I trust you to handle something huge? I had a Code Red team member that, um, one of our other team members, um, somebody in management for us, caught this Code Red team member being nasty to a nail tech. And our manager, our Code Red manager, caught she didn't know that the manager was sitting there and she, this code red team member was yelling and uh, just cursing out this nail tech. It was a student and they just, I mean, you got to know when you go into a nail salon full of students, it's not going to be perfect. That's why you pay the cheaper price. They're practicing for crying out loud. And she ended up throwing the nail file at the student and just absolutely tearing her a new one. Oh my gosh. So that Code Red team member is never going to advance in Code Red. I'm not going to tolerate someone behind the scenes 
being horrible to another another human being. That's just not. I'm not gonna. I'm just not gonna for for no reason. Like I, it was it was awful. Uh, so those kind of things. That's what I'm talking about. I'm having excellence in the small tasks, in the small things that you've been entrusted with, in your smaller possessions. You might not think it's a big deal, you know, it, to have a, a mini makeup palette, but if you trash it, you drop it, it's broken, why should you have a big one? You can't even prove that you can take care of a small one. And, and you can take this into any area of your life. You know, I, um, <laughs> one of my husband's family members is a complete and total slob. I mean, messy, messy, messy. She drops things. She breaks things. It's ripped. It's torn. It's dirty. It's dented. I mean, it's trashed and you almost just don't want to buy her anything because you know, she's going to trash it and it doesn't bother her. It's just, it's, you know, I know that like my husband has thought about getting her like a car wash package. And I said, why? She's not going to vacuum. She, she doesn't, this is not what she values. She doesn't value being clean. Why would you waste your money and your energy trying to project what you believe is something that is important onto her, which she was never taught that that was important. And it doesn't matter to her. Taking care of things doesn't matter to her. She would just rather tear holes in it, trash it, rip it, smash it, break it. She is rough on things. She's dirty. She's a slob. Oh, my Lord. And, it, and it, it makes you stop. You know, when I started Code Red, when I really started Code Red, when Natasha Hazlett got a hold of me in April of 2016 and said, okay, you got a great program, but you don't, you're not, it's not structured the right way. You're not able to reach more people. You want to reach people? Yes, of course I want to reach people. You got to have the structure. And in order for me to do that, I really had to, I had to change a lot of things. And it was a $100,000 investment. It was building a new website. It was writing a book. It was uh, building a new funnel. It was a, it was a whole bunch of things at once, and it cost a hundred thousand dollars. And so, I came to Miles and asked him for the money. And because I had already borrowed money from Miles a couple of years earlier to pay off some outstanding student loans, and I paid him back for all that, then Miles knew he could trust me with a bigger amount. I mean, just like anything, it's building good credit with somebody, but. And Miles and I, we co-own all of our cars. And if, in, but Miles never would have bought a Tesla or a Corvette or the other Corv, two Corvettes we owned or anything. We never would have bought all those things with me and went in 50-50 if he thought I trashed him, if I was terrible with him and I ran into, you know, guardrails and I, I just left the doors open and, and I wasn't diligent. I'm careful with my things and Miles can see that. And he was willing to go in and invest with me. So are you faithful in the little? It all starts with the little. Nobody jumps right into being famous. I mean, some people do. But people, they want to be, oh, everybody wants to be famous, right? They want to be a celebrity. But it takes years to become an overnight success. Uh, people say, oh, it's so funny because I'm not famous and I, I'm not a celebrity. But people say to me, Oh, you know, you just, everybody knows you. I've been in this industry 26 years and now you're just starting to know me. I've been around, look at my YouTube channel. It dates back to, gosh, uh, 2009, you know, 2005, 2005. I've been grinding in this industry for 26 years. You just ain't never seen me before. I've been working on it, been working my way up. So I've been faithful in the little. Are you being faithful in a little?
Are you proving yourself with just a small amount of responsibility and items and possessions? How are you doing with someone's feelings? Has someone trusted you with their heart? Has someone trusted you with a secret and you already went and blabbed to your mother-in-law? You know, are you trustworthy? Can you handle just something small? Or are you a blabbermouth? Because if you're going to tell a small secret, you're going to tell a big one, you know, and that people can sniff that out. Being faithful in the, with the little will ensure that you are faithful with much. And I, I realized that a lot of this podcast was pretty much personal stories of mine, and I hope it didn't turn you off too much, but it's something that is, is really important to me. And you just don't want to just toss away this and hoping for bigger things because these little things lead to bigger things. But if you don't prove yourself with the little things, there's no way you're going to be able to handle the big things. If you can't even treat two employees with kindness and tell them that they're doing a good job and pour into them, and you're like, I want a big company with a hundred employees, but you're not even taking care of the two that you have. I think about getting a puppy or a second dog just because I, I love dogs. I absolutely love dogs. I think I have enough love in my heart for another dog, but, and I don't know if it would be a puppy or not. I would really like, like to rescue one. I think we got lucky with Annabelle because she didn't have any bad habits. So I, I worry about rescuing one, an adult dog and then having bad habits. I mean, I just, I just, it's a big deal. And I don't know. I'm not ready for it yet. I mean, it would be, I, I, it would be a six month to a year long process for me to plan. It's a really, really big deal getting a second dog to me, but can I handle it? Yeah. I've proven that I can take care of the one I have. The one I have is healthy. She's at a good weight. I walk her, we walk her, run her every day, at least three miles. So I believe that I could handle a bigger dog. And it's kind of a dumb example, kind of a silly example, but these are how these things, this is how this whole thing works. Being faithful in the little will prove that you will be faithful with much. And I feel strongly about it, as you can see. And I'm so glad that my folks instilled this into me at a young age. Somehow, some way, my mom taught us girls to take care of what we have. And I don't know. I, th I think all three of us girls, I'm not really sure as much. With Yeah, I think all three of us girls do a pretty good job taking care of our stuff. I'm not, I don't know. I don't know um, as, as much about the other two, but I know I do. I just... It's important to me. All my things are important to me. My clothes, my purses, my jewelry, my house. I want it clean. I want my cars clean. I want all my employees to be happy. I want the clients to be, I want things to be delivered on time. I mean, you know, it's important. It's important because when the day comes when Code Red continues to grow and we're a hundred million dollar company, I'm going to, I know I can handle it. And I know that no one's going to fall through the cracks. So I'm proving to myself and I'm proving to the community that I can do it. And are you proving to yourself that you can do it? Are you doing it? Could you be better in this area? Take a good, long, hard look at yourself and say, am I getting sloppy? Could I tighten things up in this area? 10poundtakedown.com is the place to go. If you are wanting to dip your toe into the lifestyle and see if it's for you, we think the proper human diet is for everyone but you've got to be okay with my, my methods of delivering the information to you because I want full compliance from you. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to negotiate. It's my way or the highway. And I think that 
after seeing yourself fail at so many diets or having so many diets fail you for the last four, five, six decades, your way wasn't working. And Code Red does work. And my way works. My method works. As I teach you, I teach you why we believe what we believe. I don't just say do it like the military. Just do it. Don't ask questions. I don't do that. I teach you along the way so that you fully understand why we believe what we believe. So join us, 10poundtakedown.com. And guys, I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle. If you're a Code Red Rebel and you haven't already downloaded your free Code Red Lifestyle on-the-go guide, then now is your time to get a copy. This guide will teach you how to stay Code Red approved even with your crazy life schedule. To get a copy right now, all you need to do is open your podcast app, go to this episode show notes, and click the link to get your Code Red approved on-the-go guide. So I will see you on the next episode of Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle.